0: Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents car selling secrets.
1: Welcome to episode 57.
2: Um, correct.
1: Of Walzer Automotive Group's car selling secrets. Joining us in studio today is.
2: Tom
3: Ryan.
1: And as always.
2: Andy Rand Bernard,
1: <laughs> we've only done this 57 times. Tom has stepped out to take little. some high-level phone calls. They're trying to decide whether they, which lunch of the lunch. three Beatles songs they're going to play in KQ this week. I keep telling him, can you tell the new program director that they actually recorded more than three songs before? But he's not. He's not. Uh, he's not having any of that nonsense. No. So I brought Tom in. Uh, I ran into him. At uh, World Domination Headquarters, Walzer Automotive Group on 7700 France. We had a little meeting on Monday about some exciting business opportunities that are opening up for the con- uh, company. And I said, Tom, you're always welcome to be a guest. And he goes, that's COVID thing. I'm not traveling. I'll come on in. So what's new in your world? What have you been up
3: to? Um, actually, I, I am traveling. So I, I'm so, out what's tomorrow. What's that like? I mean, are uh, yeah. there
1: people on planes? or?
3: <laughs> I am. Um so I'm out tomorrow off to uh, Florida, Orlando, and I'm trying to limit it to one trip a week. A week? Um, We're yeah. trying to limit it to one week, one uh, trip a year. Yeah. there So I've been out 12 times, 12 weeks in a row. Um, you know what? I could only sit on my butt for so long, and business is actually really good. So not only is the auto industry good for the Walzer Automotive Group, but uh, business around the country is good as well. The travel part's a little bit—I wouldn't say that it—it's uh, um, just weird, right? So you go to TSA. The first few times I went out, like I was the only one going through TSA. Do
1: so like, they practice pat downs on you then?
3: I was trying to—I was offering them cash to do them, <laughs> um, but I couldn't get any takers. Um, so it, that part was weird. Um, the flying part. The airport seems safe, right? There's just no lines. There's nobody around. There's also not much open at that point. The nothing like the Sky Club stuff where you can kind of hang out and wait. Uh, We're all closed. On the flight, um, it's there's nobody sitting next to you, so it's sold to fifty percent. But there's also no services. But there charging more as a result. So mm. it's more not, for less. yeah It's a good business model. So with Delta and I'm a loyal Delta guy, you get a literally a baggie with a, one of those small bottle of water of bottles of water, a uh, thing of cheese it's in a biscoff cookie and that is it. You're masked up and they go oh, and they give you a l- bunch of sanitizer crap when you okay. get on and that's it. So there I'm 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 a non-drinker anyway, but no no service, no alcohol, no food or anything. But the good news is for me, I I can't remember where I was flying, but I can't. Oh, Philadelphia. And I went out in the morning and I got on and they now are offering beer and wine in first class. Hmm. And I'm like, but no, you can't get a Diet Coke. Ah, So right. the lady came up at eight o'clock and said, would you like beer or wine? And I'm like. It's 8 o'clock. I mean, I don't even drink if anyway. If it's a Vegas but.
1: flight, it makes sense. Yeah. But going to the so, city of brotherly love. Now
2: speaking of beer and wine, if you've been hit by a drunk driver, we've got a message for you from Bradshaw and Bryant. Because we forgot
3: to play their ad. Oh! oh. <laughs> I, uh, man, let's fire that one Why right don't we in. jam it in
1: right now? Let's do from that. our good let's friend pause. and sponsor, Michael Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Well, that's a nasty telecaster right there.
3: Oh, gotta like that.
1: This album was so much fun to make. Anyway, we're back talking about travel in the COVID era. I've got a, a story to share with you because I, the last time I traveled full time, I was a used car buyer back when you had to fly from auction to auction. And I was flying a lot right after 9-11, and it was the same kind of thing. You know, I was always bumped up to first because I was doing 70,000, 80,000 miles a year. And if you remember at the time, uh, the food back in the Northwest Airlines days 20 years ago and first was really good. I mean, they, it was better than you get in a lot of restaurants. So they'd pull out these beautiful filet mignons, but then they'd give you like a plastic <laughs> knife right. to cut with. A, cut it. <laughs> And I realized that it was my time to find another job and get off the road. When I started to get pissed when they dared to sit somebody next to me in first class, I'm like, you're turning into a complete asshole.
3: Yeah. Well, that, As opposed
1: to just being a partial one like I was before.
3: Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm the complete version. Um, Delta <laughs> does sort of do that to you, though. Um, there's this sense of entitlement yeah. that you oh, yeah. get um, um, from... You know they they do take pretty good care of you, but then there's this. Yeah, you become a little bit of a uh, prick, I would say. Did you so, see the uh,
1: George Clooney movie about that? Yeah, up, it, up and that's the, really yeah. scarily predictive. So I got uh, I got travels.
3: denied boarding. Maybe I've told you the story. So I got denied boarding in uh, Detroit, and I came running to the gate, and I asked the gate as I left, "Will you please call and tell them I'm on my way?" So it was eight minutes. Be, and they closed the door, or they denied me boarding because I wasn't there ten. And the kid working there said, uh, "Mr. Ryan, you should have booked a longer connection." And I said, "Actually, I just pushed the button. I didn't really. I, I, you guys offered it up, and I said yes." And uh, he kind of went on to say, you know, you know, all this stuff, and I finally sort of stopped him, and I said, "I'm sorry. For some reason, I." led you to believe that i care um <laughs> and i don't i just want to go home but um they're not making it easy there's not a lot of trip or there's not a lot of options for flying right now yeah i bet so if you like i have to go to florida tomorrow i really don't need to be there till Saturday. you want to be
1: the center of the coronavirus outbreak <laughs> i'm, you going I'm to actually, Orlando? Or?
3: i'm up in sanford which okay. is just outside of orlando but um it's a nine ten a.m is the only non-stop and so it's like you got to spend the whole day. And then to get home, I'm coming back Saturday night. It's a 7 o'clock to Atlanta and then Atlanta to Mini And so you're in at midnight. So it usually, you know, they got a whole bunch of flights. And then I saw Delta today cut a bunch more. And so, like, you can't go to Wichita. We have stores in Wichita. Yeah. Got to go to Chicago now to get to Wichita. So uh, the travel's not easy. You're masked up. It feels pretty safe from a – my wife was – kind of cracked about all, especially going to Florida. And so oh, I did. Oh, she still likes
1: you, Pat does? <laughs>
3: well, I, well, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. But, you pack uh, your bags, you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I uh, went, when Paul uh, went through the whole COVID thing, I went to and got the antibody test and all that kind of stuff and nothing. So 12 weeks of travel. I just wanted a baseline to say as of this day in July, right All survived and the without a, yeah and so i think if you use your head sanitize up social distance um and the dealers are great I, I i had a dealer in philly call and wanted to go over my travel schedule before he would let me come to the store
1: Hmm, that's great
3: yeah so i think people are depending on where you go in the world so um i was in denver uh well you and i were at the greeley deal and the smelliest tram, town in america yeah it's either well, it a ren- is? it's Greeley, really?
1: Colorado. It's about an oh, hour it is. north of Denver. You're there's right. a big
3: rendering plant there, and You're depending right. on the
1: wind, it's like
3: wow. Yeah, and you wonder how they live there. But uh, the tram—we did tell them
0: go west, young man. So get the hell out of <laughs> right. town.
3: I the tram pulled up in the Denver airport, and the doors opened, and it was packed, and I was like. I don't think so. We're gonna just walk this one, even no matter I mean, it was <laughs> it was bad. I, I it was funny. Who's oh, I um not too long ago I was on my way there and I dog the bounty hunter was up uh, a couple seats in front of me. All five two of him. Yeah, he's, he's tiny. The world's smallest oldest guy I've ever seen. Yeah, with he is a tiny. lot of hair and bad jewelry. That is true. It was pretty funny.
1: You know, you were talking about the car business being good. Tom and I were talking about that on the morning show this morning. Usually when there's tough economic times, the two businesses that go in the tank first are automobiles and construction. Right. And I think construction Hot. I, I don't know if commercial's very good right now, but,
3: but residential's crazy. Residential's
1: crazy. I yeah. you know, I the the neighborhood I live in, I suppose the cheap houses are 350 and the expensive ones are 7 and they're not the signs are flipping a, a week. And they put them in the front yard, and a week later, they're sold. Yeah. Like, wow! So it's not million-dollar mansions, but you know, it's not three-bedroom ramblers in East Bloomington either. So it's uh, it's really interesting. I think we have to take a break, and when we come back, I have a quiz for both of you guys. This is a, quiz. Ready for it's a, a quiz? I'm Automotive quiz. Okay. And listeners, the talk and text line is open. Area code five six one two two eight four zero six one. Unless Officer Dave's calling, then don't bother.
0: Oh.
2: LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential.
0: this Robin Trower?
2: No, it's me. I know. It's a
0: it Robin Trower tune. I keep asking him, is this Robin Trower? I know, he just jacks him.
1: with me all the time.
0: I love Robin Trower. First. I do, too. Below is one of my favorite albums of all time.
1: You know, for me, I, I got to the Jimi Hendrix party a little late, because oh, he died in 1970, man. and I was only 11 when he died. I just started to listen to him. And then in the early seventies, I became a big fan when I started to play. And then Robin Trower came out, what seventy three or seventy four? Bridges of Sighs, Earth Below, and it's like Love and he, he was sort of like the bridge from Jimi Hendrix into the next. Yeah, he was. Absolutely, a very similar playing style. Yep. Uh, yep. The difference was the bass player in that band could sing like a oh phenomenal singer. A great, great. He's a great musician and a phenomenal singer. You know where the Bridges Eyes is? It's in Italy, isn't it's it? In Italy, yeah. yeah.
0: It goes from the courthouse to the prison. Yeah, that's right. It does. It goes from the courthouse to the prison. The bridge of size. It's the walk I'm going to try to
3: stay
1: away <laughs> from. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. are going
0: to stay away from that walk, baby.
1: The bridge of size to my ex-wife's mailbox right. on, <laughs> on Mother's Day once a month. Here you yeah, go. There you have it. Okay, I got some quizzes for you. This is about uh, automotive history. I don't expect you to get any of these right, so but we'll go fairly quickly. Uh, First, uh, manufacturer to invent airbags and when? Just take a guess. Takata. Nope. That's pretty (laughs) funny, though.
3: (laughs) Uh, Automotive or the uh, like a a Buick type? Are you thinking of OEM or yeah, yeah,
1: manufacturer and about the year.
3: I wouldn't even begin to guess. I'm going to guess around 89. It was actually 73,
1: and it was General Motors. They offered them as options in Buicks, which is kind of funny you mentioned that, Oldsmobiles and Cadillacs. Oh. All right, let's try the automatic transmission. Who started that?
2: Oh,
0: boy. The automatic transmission? Yep. That's old.
2: Edison. Guess Yeah, based on people who can and cannot drive stick. I guess late thirties, probably. You're right.
1: 1939 it was oh, Oldsmobile.
2: Really?
0: Oh. Well, well, it doesn't say who, who who actually. Oldsmobile, but I mean, who developed it for him? Was oh, there? the
1: guy. Yeah, Some the slave, slave guy. at General Motors. I don't oh, say It was a name.
2: slave. Even uh, though it was name. invented, it wasn't necessarily widespread at the time.
1: How about power steering? Think about what these cars would have been like to drive without That's, power steering. Oh,
3: I remember.
2: Relatively new, isn't it? Yeah,
3: there you go. Well, I'm, what would you guess? Oh, no, I think power steering came probably uh, again in the 50s. or. Very good.
1: 1951, the Chrysler Imperial. Yeah. One of the which greatest ever. probably a 6,000-pound car.
3: Can oh, Can you yeah. imagine
1: driving one of those without? I mean, it's not a spitfire. Oh, fire.
2: God. <laughs> I've driven cars, well, I've... I've Tried to steer cars, not really driven them, with the power steering that was broken. I don't remember the context, but, yeah. uh,
1: That's actually even
3: harder. It's basically impossible.
1: Yeah, Yeah. because, you know, you have to be moving or you're not going to be able to turn the wheel. Yeah. Okay, uh, how about GPS?
2: The satellites are, like. Well, GPS, (laughs) satellite navigation. When the the network went up. Yeah. That was the DOD, uh, I think. I think it was the Department of Defense. Yeah, I think quite so. some time ago. Well, it was early '80s it
1: was Toyota. It was 80s. I thought it was in '78, '79. Yep.
2: Yeah. Oh, GPS in cars.
1: Yeah, is yeah. that OnStar? Mm, OnStar is a General Motors product, well, and I don't think motor. that showed up was till it? the late mid '90s. TomTom
2: or whatever. TomTom, oh, Tom, Tom, that's Tom, very yeah, good. That's,
1: that was with Garmin, right? That's right. the oldest
2: one I can think yep. of.
1: Okay, my favorite retractable hardtops. You'll never get this right.
3: Sure, it was hardtops. back in the 1890s, um, I think, for Fairmont or something came.
1: So, for those of you that might not know what it is, uh, Mercedes made it really popular in the late 90s. Uh, little SLK, so that it was a metal roof. Oh but you pushed a button and the trunk would open backwards and the top would fold into it. Ford Skyliner in the late 50s was the same thing. It was actually invented by Peugeot in 1935.
3: Wow. I figured that was going to be Uh, In France, they're a big, like the Doosan Sank or some of those are pretty cool cars. Because you did
2: say retractable, but not necessarily automatic.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. But this was a mechanical system. Wow, really? How about turbocharger?
3: couldn't even begin. Tom? I do not know that one either. So let me just think. Um, again, well, it I'm going to guess in the 70s or 60s. Yeah,
2: I would have guessed slightly before. Well, I know in the early 80s, computers came with a turbo button.
1: Yeah, turbo was there. Everything was turbo yeah. in the early yeah, whether 80s. I remember it was or turbo s- uh, I'm guessing, razors.
2: I'm guessing early 80s, late
1: 70s. It's actually 1962 and it was Oldsmobile. Oh. Huh. The first turbocharged
2: car. Well, uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How does
0: Osmobile do the two things you just talked Andy. about and then go out of business?
1: Well, it's an interesting question, uh, actually. God. So what happened in the in the heyday of General Motors, at one time General Motors had...
3: Is that the... Uh, that's a yeah, Skyliner. That's the yep. Skyliner. Wow. With the mechanical oh, yeah.
1: rough. At one point... General Motors had 60% of the US market. Yep. Now, right. by comparison yep. today they have 15 I don't know or 16 percent. how they lost that. But. So they were able to have all these different divisions that had their own engineers, and all the drivetrains were different. The V8 that was in a Cadillac was different than a Pontiac, which was different than a Chevrolet. because they you know they, they couldn't spend the money fast enough. Yep. Well, then the Japanese showed up, notably, and the competition level increased dramatically. And by the mid-80s or so, the, the bean counters started to take over General Motors. Oh, so they, even well, though they had all these answer. separate divisions, they really made identical cars. I mean, there was no difference between a front-wheel drive Cutlass Sierra and a, what was the Buick
3: version of that car? I can't even remember. Skylark, or no. Um, uh, really Chevy
1: Celebrity, Olds Cutlass. I mean, they were all the same car. They just had different yeah. badges A-body on or something. So, so then in 90, I think when the last recession was before 08, I think 90 or 91, they went you know this is stupid to carry all these lines. Right, I so suppose Oldsmobile that is went true. away, and Oldsmobile was one of the oldest General Motors. It might have been the first General Motors brand, I think, when they started buying them up.
2: I don't I, know uh, why, but Joe from Louisville says you need a CAT scan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't disagree.
0: I trust the doctor. I'm not sure, no no one can disagree with yeah, that.
3: <laughs> we're in. So I have one for you, Doug. Okay. Uh, or for the group. So what year was front wheel drive invented?
1: Front I would been was the
3: first one to mass produce it.
1: I would bet that's back in the 20s. Yeah. I it
3: would. was it was Cord, C O R D, but oh, the first Cord, one yeah. to mass produce it was Audi in 1931 and then Saab followed in really? 1932. Yep. Yeah, everyone sort of puts that late. Um, that's weird. Yeah. Wheeled, you think right. it would be like
2: the first thing to invent after, you know, just the car. Right. So, I have a question for you.
3: Yeah.
0: Did they think pushing was a better idea than pulling? I never did understand that. They still do. If the engine, the weight is all up here, why don't you put the wheels under the weight? So
3: so the first ones really, Tom, to go down that was Porsche and Volkswagen. Okay. So hence the 356, which later became the 911 <coughs> and the Volkswagen right. Beetle. Right. Um, so Porsche went to the back and put the rear engine rear drive, and Audi was up front. And they were all part of the auto union mm-hmm. at that point, all those rings on the front of which right, is today right. Audi.
1: Okay, related car. First all-wheel drive passenger car. Now, this is not military vehicles in World War I yeah. when they really invented the all-wheel drive and Jeeps. This is the first all-wheel drive passenger car.
3: Well, so Audi, Audi had cars in that around 80 that were all-wheel drive.
1: 1966, the Jensen.
3: Oh Jensen. yeah so interesting. Which are really uh, cool uh, cars. Do you actually. remember the Cavalli group? Sure. Those guys. So uh Shell Cavalli was the they produced the Jensen Interceptor and he's the uh, he's a client of ours as well and they're down in Florida as well as out on the West Coast but they founded the Pebble Beach Dielegants so the car show that the Pebble Beach that they're most the famous big for, the biggest one.
1: Now, did James Bond drive a Jensen in one of the movies? I think that he might have. Like a Jensen Interceptor, yeah. I think. Because he like the that. Aston Martin one. Yeah, yeah, he had Aston right. Martins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always had just badass cars. Yeah. But if you remember the James Bond cars, I think that
2: that he might have driven one he of those. He
3: drives one
2: in Solo.
3: in A, a Jensen? Yes,
2: yeah, they're a kind Jensen of cool. FF. Yeah,
3: kind of funky cars. I don't oh, know the go.
0: Jensen. I don't remember that car at all. So Was it like a little sports car or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he liked sports cars. Yeah. I know that.
1: And I doubt they sold them up here. I mean, they're pretty limited production. It yeah, does look
2: like a James Bond car. I'll say that much. Yeah. Oh, it does? Oh, yeah. No All right, questions.
1: air conditioning. We'll get to the end of this pretty soon.
2: Air conditioning? Year hmm. <clears throat> and make. I don't know that one. Was a fan blowing over some ice count. <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, and I, Packard is. in
1: 1940. Really? 40? Wow. Out yep. against 50s. All right, last one uh, car radios. It's a big that deal to you. It has to be
2: very early. What's
0: what's a car radio? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> right. AM? <laughs> where, yeah, a. where a. your
1: bread is buttered.
0: It's got to be 30s.
1: Andy's got the right era.
0: Take a break here. I'll be right back.
1: I don't know oh, okay, who that then. would be. Did you get another phone call? Yes. Sir. Oh, no. So the answer is Chevrolet in the early 30s and the manufacturer, Hello. Motorola. Oh, that makes mm-hmm. sense.
2: Yeah. They have been around for quite a while. Everybody thinks
1: they're an Asian company for some reason. Yeah, it's I been did a US too. a company for, I think they're over 100 years old, if I remember It's right. like
2: Atari. Everyone thinks they're Japanese because their name is Japanese, but they're actually American.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Boy, we're just fountains of knowledge here. All the knowledge. We should probably take a short break, and we'll be back with a final segment in just a couple of minutes.
0: Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry
1: Welcome back to episode 57 of Walzer Automotive Group's car selling secrets. Tom Ryan Jr., I'm a longtime friend, joins us in the studio. We're just kind of talking about all sorts of stuff. If you have any questions, comments, or most, most likely criticisms, you can always call the studio line 561 561- 561. Two two eight four zero six one. Unless you're Officer Dave or Joe from Louisville.
2: Well, someone from the chat actually uh, brought something up interesting. So you said that the air conditioning in the car was Chevy uh, Packard. Packard. Yep. Um, well, General Motors actually owned Frigidaire from 1919 to 1979. They hmm. didn't so know that. So you would have thought that that would have been like you know put the two together, but. They just apparently weren't the first to do it. Well,
1: no, in 1940, Pretty they were John probably the too rough. busy building tanks and stuff. Because I mean, they think that was the last year of U.S. car production. A lot of people don't know that, but during World War II, yeah, Ford uh, and General Motors and Chrysler converted all their plants yeah. to build uh, yeah. war planes and tanks. That's why there's, there's no 40s version and, yeah. cars.
2: Well, they basically really. converted all the metal in the entire country into tanks yep. and planes. So.
1: Which is what put new car dealers on the map in about 1946. Going forward, because there was such pent-up demand, I, I think it was a different world back then. <laughs> Basically, they just <laughs> raped and pillaged oh, customers. It awful. was brutal. The stories from those days.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, we were part of the mayhem uh, starting in the 70s. Yeah. But it it is exciting. You know, you and I, Doug, met on. Monday? Is that what mm-hmm. we did? Yep, that's right. <clears throat> so I'm, I am really excited. So, Walzer, what's unique about Walzer, and I think this is the comment that you made to me, which was um, you look at all the other dealers around the country, everywhere, and we take for granted how much further ahead the Walzer Automotive Group mm-hmm. is compared to anybody else. And it blows my mind. And the new opportunity, Doug's going to be working with uh, the software company that Walzer is just starting to put together some of their products, which are amazing products. And I really do think will change. I mean, I think this is a big deal and will change the guest experience immensely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I I was on a long call today um, looking at the craziness that happens at most dealerships and it's around that whole f and i piece of it just takes hours sometimes to get in there and get your car i'll so, tell you
1: an interesting story that illustrates the difference this was back during the recession and our good friend alan crutch was a marketing director at the time and just a really really smart guy we were in paul's office and times were tough. I mean, he didn't say it, but he could tell that he was worried about losing the company back in 09. Things were not great, and yeah. so we're just spitballing ideas. And he and I don't remember who else is in the room. We're coming up with some really crazy stuff. And Alan, <laughs> he says, oh, I get it. We're going back to trying to trick people again. Right. And Paul looked at and he goes, okay, we're not doing that. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's, and that's part of what... Uh, we take for granted that Walzer really doesn't do. I mean, they've they've been upfront pricing for 20 years, and what we call single point of contact, so they don't have any F&I people. But the numbers are amazing. So to have a young man like Alex do over 90 cars in a month. um, Which is a
1: strong number for most dealerships with eight or nine salesperson staff. Yeah,
3: and and that, I mean, and I am not, I wouldn't go head to head with Alex on anything and he's like 24 or 5 years old or something. Well, you know, he used
1: to work at Chili's, so that's (laughs) probably pretty good training for...
3: Right, but... um, (laughs) Would you like fries with that? (laughs) Right. Well, I think the amazing part is that part of that journey is that Alex would be a, a success anywhere he went. Right. But I think that there's no way to get to those kind of numbers without the technology solutions that they've built. And what's unique about it is... They're not web developers or app developers or technology. It's not a technology company. It's an auto dealer that solved a problem. Right. And I think that's the success and the reason that they're doing well now. I think, from an outside perspective, being as outside as I can can since it's I'm related, but it uh, it's amazing how cutting edge that group is, Mm -hmm. and it's exciting to be part of that. Uh, to bring that to market and think how big the opportunity is because there's not a solution that integrates anywhere near to what Ignite and Teledesk and Fuse does.
1: So, what, so for the listeners, what the software uh, does and will be marketed is when you buy a car from a dealership, the behind-the-scenes work that has to go into pulling incentives from the manufacturer, submitting all these deals to different banks, credit applications, personal information, automobile information, trade titles, payoffs, all this sort of Sales, stuff. Tax I mean, calculations, you're trying to talk license, to everything. 14 or 15 different things. And in the traditional dealer, that's most of that's done in the business office, which is really, really time consuming. So, boy, I think the FUSE project started, what, eight years ago Nine. or so. Uh, and Andrew, was the CEO of the company now, kept saying, okay, how do we make it faster? That was his only question ever, and it got to be super annoying because we kept making it faster and faster, and he goes, okay, that's not fast enough. We need to make it faster. So this software basically allows a salesperson to enter the customer information vehicle information once and then hit buttons and the rest is automated. And the uh, the amount of time, and Andrew uses this all the time, I think it's a great term, the amount of time that gets collapsed by doing that is enormous. Um, you know, when we started developing this stuff, some of the salespeople were like, you're trying to eliminate us. And I said, no, that is not the goal. The The, the, the idea is not to sell cars with fewer people. It's to sell more cars with the same number of people that we have. Right. So those efficiencies you, you talk about, and we have a you know probably a dozen really outstanding people in the company. Alex is a is a bit of a one off, but, but
3: I think when you so Charlie is the one that the original mindset behind the Fuse product, and, and I think that's where a lot of the stuff comes from. There's really smart people working. Mm-hmm. Colton Ray, unbelievably smart. I don't um, even
1: understand what he says. Oh most my of the gosh. Time.
3: this kid's smart, smart, smart. Um, Mike Price from. Uh, pricing tool perspective mm-hmm. that stuff's all coming to fruition and Luke and the team behind that stuff it's crazy to they have 151 touch points on their analytics to determine the pricing and it's all automated. Which
1: in the one price world as a retailer whether you're selling cars or your Walmart or Target because you don't go into Target and go you know I'll give you mm-hmm. 350 for that six pack of coke.
3: Right. <laughs> and, and the
1: cashiers will throw you out.
3: Ours will too. This was all in the mind at the beginning of Mike Price, and now Colton and Luke have really flushed this thing out. So you have Charlie who starts Fuse and had no idea it would ever develop into this. But um, these guys are just smart, talented guys, and this thing's gonna go a long way. And it really makes a huge difference from a guest experience. You just don't need a day off to buy a car anymore. It's something you can go online, we call it desking a deal, the consumer now has can desk their own deal. They we're not as necessary. So what, what desking any
1: means is there's you know although people focus on the price properly, uh, for probably seventy five or eighty percent of the deals that a new car dealer sells or used cars are financed one way or the other. They're either financed or lease, so on and so forth. And so by desking, that's the, the calculations that go into what are the payments, what are the different terms, what kind of an int- interest rate can I get from various lender, all that sort of stuff. It used to be done by a guy who smoked uh, cigarettes in the back room.
3: And had cowboy boots and a beeper. And um, a fake Rolex from yeah, Mitchie. Yeah, that's right. And so um, the cool thing is the consumers today don't have to worry about it. All that stuff's in their hands. Yeah. And uh, like I say, if there were better deals, we wouldn't probably have met. And so the fact that they landed on Walzer is because we did the research and established all of that pricing ahead of time, and that's what drives that traffic to them.
1: I had a, I had a dealer ask me a while ago, it's, you know, it's funny because 10 years ago when you went to a conference, you'd never tell people you were a one-price no. dealer because they'd run you out of town. Right. Five years ago they started asking questions that were actually wanted to know what the tricks were, and now it's like, does that really work? And I said, well, we only sold 45,000 cars right. last year, so it's maybe we we got all the stupid ones, but I think some of them were probably pretty sharp.
3: <laughs> so think about that. When Paul and Andrew did this, which was about 2000, and, and of course, we all attributed it to Paul's vision at that point. But,
1: well, because he signed the checks.
3: Well, right, but uh, really, Andrew taking over, I don't know, two, three years ago, um, is really...
1: Well, he's the one that that pushed the one price thing. Oh initially. my gosh! And Paul yeah. will even admit
3: that. Yeah, and so I'm um, super impressed by his leadership. <laughs> in
1: fact, actually. during the height of the recession, one of, this is the worst ideas Paul's ever had, and to this day he denies it happening. But I think Jack and Alan and I there's a bunch of people in the room. <clears throat> he wanted to go to negotiating Saturdays, one Saturday a month.
3: Who did Jack? <laughs> Paul. Oh, Paul! Yikes. <laughs> Um, and, and Andrew is really solely, I mean, and I talk to Paul a lot, and uh, Paul is hands off. I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, I, he's aware of everything, but Andrew is in control of this ship and doing a, I mean, they're doing a great job.
1: No, I think the over and under when he handed over the company to Andrew was about three weeks for most of us employees. Well, uh, but, but he, he did a great job saying, you know, it's your turn.
3: Yeah, and he's stayed out of it and. I, it's like all these things. I think Andrew's going to outperform him.
1: Well, of course he is. I mean,
3: <laughs> well, I, he's he super is competitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's funny how those things uh, evolve just the way they're supposed to. Well,
1: that about wraps it up for kind of a weird version of Automotive Car Selling Secrets with Tom. Uh,
2: it's funny because the weird version, we actually talked about cars most of the time. I know,
1: which is unusual. <laughs> Well, we have you know automotive selling genius as a guest, so that's going to happen. Oh,
2: that yeah. will happen.
1: Well, I you know here, before we go, I'll, I'll say this thing because people always ask me, you know, what makes a great salesperson? a Great salesperson, and Tom was phenomenal uh, when he sold cars, just like these dozen of people. And it took me a long time to figure it out. And here's the difference: when really, when average salespeople sell something, they're kind of surprised. It's like, oh, they said yes. When great salespeople Sell something, they just take it for granted. When great salespeople fail to sell something, they're just shocked. It's like, mm-hmm. and that's really the be? difference.
0: So you're talking about me now? Yeah, the point exactly we, about? we just did the closing back.
1: statement. We're done. Unless you got some questions you want to no, ask? No, but
0: I want to read one line from the uh, from the Babylon Bee today. All right. Have you read it?
1: I have not. I haven't read the Bee in a couple Tom, of days. Tom, you know the
0: Babylon B. I know it, but I
1: have not read it.
0: There's a picture of a uh, skeleton dressed up in old. Uh, 1770 garb the wig the whole deal and there is a belt around the chest of this corpse lying in a coffin and it says founding fathers strapped down and graves to prevent further spinning <laughs> 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 that thing babylon bees i love them
1: that'll do All it right. we'll be back next week same bat time same bat channel over and out